0: Good evening, church. Man, can we get up for the worship team one time real quick? Thank you for your worship. Thank you guys for being here. My name is Tellus Fuller, and we are really looking forward to what's going to be going on tonight. We're in a series, we've been in a series called Spiritual Battles for the past couple months, and we've been speaking about a variety of battles that we all go through spiritually speaking. We've had a lot of different conversations, and we've talked about what we believe is important to talk about spiritually But tonight is a night that we want to figure out what you believe is important to talk about spiritually. We've covered a multitude of topics, which we're about to jump into. And tonight is a night where we want you guys to participate in the service. So practically, we have a Slido for you. If this is your first time on a Wednesday night 715 service where we have an opportunity to jump into Q&A, let me introduce it to you. We have a website called Slido. You can type it in right now, S-L-I-D-O. And in that website, you can type in the code that should be on the lower thirds behind me or if you're watching online in front of you. This is your way to ask us questions on any topic that we have covered these past few weeks as we've been talking about spiritual battles. All you gotta do is type in the code and put in the question. If you see a question that you would like answered, please don't resubmit that same question. What we'd ask you guys to do is you have a really cool feature on the uh, software where you can just upvote that question and then it will bring it to the top of our list. As soon as you type it or as soon as you send it in, Top of the list, we can handle it and grab it really, really quickly. And therefore it declutters all of the space in the comments. So we encourage you guys to start typing in your questions. Pastor AJ is not here tonight, but Pastor AJ gave a great message, great couple of messages, specifically addressing two topics: one, loving your neighbor, and two, authority. Authority really being a giant aspect of spiritual battles. And he spoke about Jesus' authority as he was going and he was tempted into the wilderness. And it's talking about the authority that we have to win these spiritual battles that are in front of us. As well as speaking about loving your neighbor. And I love what Pastor AJ drew out of the text. About our neighbor and loving our neighbor is loving anybody who needs mercy from us. So you ask the question, who's our neighbor? Anybody you can extend mercy to. An incredible message. And we have our three panelists that I want to introduce for us this, this uh, not this morning, tonight. We got Pastor Corey here with us, we got Pastor Tiffany, and we have Pastor Sean. So, would you give it up for our panelists, real quick? And as we're about to get into this, I would love to just ask you guys uh, a simple question, kind of to get us started. While questions are coming in, you guys spoke about amazing things. Specifically, you, Pastor Corey, we'll start with you. Had a really, really easy time and an easy topic talking about anger and judgment. Something that's super simple to address, there super easy at every level. Thirty simple. seconds. <laughs> And so if you uh, yeah. could, was there anything you gathered from the message or anything that like spoke to you? Yeah. Um, anything from the text revelation that you'd want to talk about?
1: Yeah, I um, I've I found that as we went through the Sermon on the Mount, um, these two, these were the areas that I needed the most for me personally. Um, specifically with when it comes to anger, uh, what I discovered is that anger is a lot like an eclipse that when when it is released and revealed in my heart, it blocks me from seeing God the way that he needs to be seen. It's this, it's this enormous blockade. And then simultaneously when anger is revealed from me to like, for example, my kids, um, it's almost like that becomes an eclipse that prevents them from having life like, a, like the life that they need. Right? So, I mean, if you've ever been really frustrated with someone released just a response, a reaction. You can literally, literally see the life like leave the face of someone. Like that's what that's what we learned, and then and then I, I love the fact that when it comes to Jesus, Jesus offers us hope to now have an ability to see to to now say to to anger, get out of my light, right? Like we can actually have a perspective of Jesus where He helps us recognize where we have been. Uh, frustrated with a person and then we have next steps on how to, how to respond to that. Um, and then with judgment, judgment was a, was, was a big one for me. Um, what we, what I learned is that judgment is taking the mistakes from someone that I usually do myself. I weaponize those mistakes and I dehumanize that person in the process. They no longer uh, are just something. It's, it's not that they are a person who makes mistakes. I now take those mistakes and I attach it to their character. They, they are those things. Um, and, and what we learned in, uh, in Matthew 7, 1 and 2, specifically, we, we learned that um, what Jesus says is that you can look, he's, he asked the question, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye and miss the log in your own? And what he's saying is that uh, that word is, is this idea of studying. It's so easy to study the mistakes in others and miss the very same thing in your own heart. And so what Jesus is saying is that you're either going to study the failures and mistakes of, of those around you, or you're going to study my mercy. And depending on which one you look at the most is going to now determine how you respond.
0: With mercy or with judgment. So yeah, th- those, those were too big, I think, for That's me. That's huge. That's huge. Pastor Tiffany, you got an opportunity to speak on anxiety and identity. Really great messages. Is there anything that you felt, realized, revelation that you experienced? Some, maybe even something that you wanted to share in the message you didn't have time to that you want to share or remind us of right now?
2: Yeah, I think for me, um, it was happening even in the moment. So my first, I uh, kicked off the series with identity, um, which is a hard topic. To tackle. Um, But when I was preaching on anxiety, like in the middle of the sermon, it was almost like I had this like, yeah, I got this. Like I got this all figured out. And I felt the Holy Spirit in the moment when I'm teaching going, no, this is like going from strength to strength and glory to glory. Like you don't, you haven't conquered it. You just know how to fight when it shows up you you don't have you're not completely secure in who you are in your identity but you you know where to go to find your identity you know where to go to be reminded of who you are um, you haven't conquered like this whole like anxiety is gonna come visit you again just because you are up here talking about it and speaking personal experience about it it doesn't mean that now anxiety is never gonna show up at my door again and I love that when we're when I I was studying it, it's like the tools of scripture just came alive afresh. And it made me realize like, if I remember who my identity is found in, which is the person of Jesus. And if I remember that he fights the battle of anxiety for me, then I don't have to toil and I don't have to worry and I know it's going to show up, but I think for me, it's like we. sometimes we get to places in life where we're like, oh, we've arrived, and we've never arrived. We've, we're always just continually putting one foot in front of the other, trusting God to go before us and fight those battles.
0: That's great. And Pastor Sean, you spoke— similarly on great and easy topics, lust and self-deception. <laughs> and so if you could share anything else, do you have any thoughts that you want to share with us or remind us on those two topics in spiritual battles?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think um, with regards to lust, I, I don't think that that is something kind of culturally we don't know, especially if you've been going to church for a while. But the kind of anger, or not necessarily anger, but the seriousness in which Jesus approaches it, Um, I think kind of has you had me to kind of pull back out and you really begin to recognize that it's not so much just if you have um, broken a rule, but that you have disfigured someone who is made in the image of God and like you're using them. So, So it becomes a whole nother thing where it really is an offense towards God. And it's not just kind of this passive thing that our culture says, When it's well, just thinking about it, I didn't do anything. I didn't hurt anyone. Um, So I think from from that standpoint, kind of the relational aspect and how I should love someone of the opposite sex and not use them for fantasy um, was was even more so kind of heightened. That is beyond just breaking some rules. And then secondly, with self-deception, I was really struck like. I've read that scripture plenty of times but it's a little different in like really 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 studying it and trying to preach it because it it seemed like something where like I could be really scared like am, am in can I have a surety of my um <laughs> of my salvation or not and I think in really seeing that Jesus was resting it all on relationship like if if you you use my words to build up your life, you're you're a wise man, or um be gone from me, workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Though the relational aspect that everything really hinges on really was heightened for me. So I think those are some things that from those two sermons. That's great. That's great.
0: So those six to uh eight topics that we just talked about, talking about um loving your neighbor, authority, anxiety, identity. Lust, self-deception, anger, and judgment is what we're going to focus on for tonight's discussion. So we have a question. I feel like that's a really good one to start with. That's not uh, directed towards any one of you, but maybe all of you is, when do you know when something is a spiritual battle or is just your flesh? Is everything a spiritual battle? Is just certain things spiritual battles? Is something just part of being a human and fallen nature? How do you know when something, or maybe in your life, when have you distinguished between a spiritual battle or maybe just your
3: flesh? (laughs) Uh, I'll I'll take a stab at it. Um, So I think that's where... I think that there is a little something off, like within the question, because um, Paul talked about he felt like um, the law of sin and death worn in his members. So like it's something that goes on. It's not just life. Like God didn't design us to indulge in these types of things. And so when we see it coming up, we need to recognize it as a battle and begin to fight. Now, some fights will be more prolonged than others, but we have to kind of have a defensive posture or maybe that, that's the wrong language, maybe like a wartime mentality that, that I am in a battle and that I got to consistently lean into my relationship with Christ to um, find victory. Um, so that's kind of like how I would approach that. I think that's a good thought. I think, um, along with that, the idea of
1: spiritual battles are things that are re- repeated that are, uh, with Jesus, with the, with the sermon on the Mount, he identifies probably the most, um, the, the most challenging, prevalent, consistent struggles that the human race will always have. And again, this was written 2000 years ago. And, um, and, what we find in Jesus is that he he uh, is setting this new bar in what it looks like to one acknowledge what a battle is. That he he goes from it's not just that you uh, when you you uh, have sex with a woman who's out who's not your your wife that's adultery. No, no, I'm going to raise the bar to a whole new space. And what he's doing is he's letting us know that that the the, the um the space of, of the battle within our own heart is one that we're always going to lose. What he's doing is is he's he's helping us see that we're gonna run into a wall every time. But the hope is is that Jesus is saying, Guess what? I'm gonna give you my identity, that you are my son and whom I love with you whom I'm well pleased. We're accepted, we're affirmed, we are the beloved. That that is the reality that Jesus starts with in Matthew chapter 3. And then he leads us to the fact that blessed are you when you are poor in spirit, when you are broken, and when you acknowledge that. And then he says, and here's the battles that you are going to face, and and humanity is lost for 2,000 years. And guess what? The, the very battles that you have been losing, I am now entering into the fray to give you myself in order to now walk with you in the journey, in the, the reality of the chaos. And I'm, gonna, I'm here to now ensure victory, yeah. even when the process is really, really messy. And so when it comes to the battles that you may be facing, I, I, I think what this does, this frees us to go, you know what, that I'm probably in a whole lot more battles than I realize. But the hope is not, is not to focus on the battles that I'm in, but the, now the identity that I have— and the fact that I have a, a really real God who's with me in the really real battles to give me a real victory. Amen. That's
0: great. That's great. 2 Corinthians 10 mentions how we don't war against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And that towards the end of the verse, it mentions and says that we, uh, we destroy every lofty opinion that sets itself, itself up against Christ and we tear it down. If there is something that's setting itself against the knowledge of Christ, that could be considered a spiritual battle. If something is setting itself up with you against what knowledge, including your flesh, against what Christ has said, spoken, and judged, pronounced over you, spiritual battle. Here's a question for you, Pastor Corey, talking about anger, practically. Would you please offer your thoughts on holy anger or the boundaries between appropriate anger, which reaffirms our convictions, and inappropriate, destructive anger? Because the Bible speaks about multiple kinds oh, of anger, yeah, right? It does, It does, and so
1: um, when we see human trafficking, and there is there is a there is a, an anger that comes, there is a disdain, there is a hatred, mm-hmm. but with that hatred comes uh, now a motivation of God. What do you want to do? Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. like that. That's when we think about about the the ways by which sin has flexed its muscles on our culture and society and on specifically on the next generation on young people that makes me angry. Um, and even in Jesus, you, you see Jesus getting angry multiple times throughout the new, the new, the new Testament. I mean, yes, he, he throws tables around and, and, uh, tax, uh, that just a moment where like coins are all over the place. But man, I love in John chapter 11, when Jesus gets really angry at sin, death and the grave, right? So I think there, there is multiple examples that you see with a holy response of anger. Um, how do you know which one's holy and which one is unholy? Um, if it, again, if it dehumanizes the very creation that God has made, if it tears them down, if you watch life, leave a person's face. That is not, that's not holy anger. That's anger where you have now stepped into a place of powering up and you've dehumanized somebody. Um, But as it pertains to holy anger, I think holy anger can be put around your kids, like where you're protecting, you're providing, you are stepping into support and you, you are, you see a, a wrong and you are stepping in with a response that's, That's held with intensity yet is working to, to uh, pull somebody out or to ensure that nobody treats that person like that from that point forward. I, I say that's holy anger, but as it pertains to, to, to anger, that is destroying that is separating, that's dividing, that is now is that you, you are, you are uh, taking authority that you don't have and accusing someone or superimposing a certain opinion, uh, that is, that does nothing but divide. I I would say that that is not right. Anger. That's
3: great. I just wanted to add one quick thing just to Um, add on to what you're saying pastor because there can be a time where you do have this anger towards someone I had a situation where my children were being treated wrong and I was rightfully angry but then I allowed it to linger and I kept thinking on what I would want to do to that person even though I never executed or or anything like that it's almost like I was comforting myself with the revenge I would take and so that I had to present to God for repentance Um, so it's not always that you actually get to carry it out sometimes is lingering on the inside of you and you know that it's wrong and you, we, we tend to, well, I didn't do anything once again, but no, that heart of that matter needs to be taken and and repented of. That's great. How can I hear from God in the
0: middle of a spiritual battle? This is kind of for all of us. So if we're in the midst of it right now, which I would assume that some of us in this room, maybe not all of us in this room are, what do I do to hear clearly the voice of God when I'm in the middle of the fight? So I'm praising God in the fight. We just sang about that. Now that I'm in the fight, how do I hear God in the middle of a spiritual battle?
1: I'll, I'll be quick. I, I think that the, ser- the sermon on the Mount gives us a clue into the fact that when we are in spiritual battles, that God is his disposition towards us is to run to us uh, in the sermon on the Mount. The word father is used 17 times in two chapters. Three, three, three chapters. And so what you have, and in those chapters, it, throughout, we're, we're being told all of the spaces, the gaps of the human heart that Jesus is exposing. But he says, take heart. The Father is with you. The Father is with you. Uh, even, even in anger, it, he, I mean, I'm sorry, in, in judgment, the, very f- the, the, the next part of, of that whole section of text is, is ask, seek, and knock. That even in the midst of the of the of the poison of the judgmental heart, Jesus is acknowledging the fact that it's in us. But he's saying, do you want to know what it's going to what, what's going to extract that poison? Come to me. Come, come. To me. I mean, so we have we have a father who is running to us, who is opening up the the, the gates of 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 his of his commitment to speak to us to bring us into his, his presence, to give us his spirit, to join us in the midst of it. So when you're going through things, I, my, I guess my expectation is, man, God, God is just get ready. He's going to open up those ears of yours. He's going to speak to you more than he has in a really long time, because these are the moments that, that God himself is committed to join us in, in the fray.
0: Great. Pastor Tiffany, this is a question about anxiety. Do you believe that anxiety is always, at least partially, spiritual? Since we are holistic, spirit, body, and mind is all connected. Is anxiety always, at least partially, somewhat spiritual?
2: I'd say yeah. Yes. If it wasn't, then Jesus wouldn't command us, do not be anxious. Um, Anytime anxiety shows up, you're focusing on... Um, or you 're worrying about how that thing is going to impact you rather than how God is going to take care of that thing and um, for me, at, um, at least in my short forty five years of life um, i've every time every time that anxiety shows up, it is a worry that presents itself. And instead of just being concerned about something, I'm actually ruminating over it and thinking about it and trying to figure it out and wondering how can I work it out? And really we have to relinquish our control of our life to the Lord and not trust in our own ways. So I would say, yeah, because Jesus commands us in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't worry. And he says it three times in that passage in Matthew um, chapter 6, 25-34. He says it three times. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. So do not be anxious. And so I think it's important that we recognize anything that Jesus tells us not to be or not to do is something that is opposite of, of his design for us.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I think maybe... As you mentioned, I think beautifully at the beginning of your message, that speaking about a clinical anxiety versus a right. just worldly worry is different. Right. And so there is an aspect of a clinical anxiety that involves us to not just say, all right, I'm just not going to worry. We're just going to trivialize it and say, okay, Jesus told me not to worry. I won't worry. There is an aspect of seeking the grace of God and doctors that we can find yeah. in that for sure. Pastor Sean, got a question for you. The question is just this. How do you stop lust?
2: <laughs> it's so easy. I want to yeah, hear just, this one. just
0: fix the problem of lust for us real quick. <laughs> so it actually says this. How do you stop lust, in parentheses, etc. cetera? So et
2: cetera? I, <laughs> I love it. All the rest the and I'll arrest, I guess. Whoever asked that question, we love you. That's <laughs> so great.
3: Um, so it's a battle, right? And so it is... Um, I like what you pulled from second Corinthians, this idea of kind of capturing thoughts and bringing them under the subjection of Christ. And so someone has to be become very vigilant of what's going on in their mind. And that as things happen, as, as that person walks by that catches your eye and you catch yourself going somewhere in your thoughts, repenting, bringing it to Christ, bringing it under subjection, asking for help, um, to be cleansed of it um i think it's important to have community right like the the fight that we're in the flesh that we're in um Man, there are just times that maybe I don't see it or something like that. Or I need to talk to somebody. Um, You need to have community. So we need to be really intentional about being in community, not just kind of checking the religious box off. But no, I need my sister. I need my brother um, to be in my life um, to help. Um, And then kind of the third step that I think is is like these things work together is more and more trying to fall in love with God, like a part of it is a lack of dependence on him, maybe knowing him, understanding the, 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 the riches of the relationship that you can truly be satisfied in him. Paul said that we, um, that he wished that we would understand the length, the height, the width, the depth of that love, but it surpasses understanding. So you have to get revelation of just how deeply God loves you. And if you're not filled up with that, then in our flesh, in other ways, we look to try to satisfy this kind of God-sized hole that we have. And so some of it can be, man, I've been doing it for so long that I have neurological pathways kind of buried into my mind. That's why you need community. This is why we need to continue to pursue God with everything. Um, and then in particular for men, Man, make sure you send me an email. We have some tools yes. um, that can um, help you find this community. And we can um, look at um, maybe like um, some some more strategies because you need strategy to be able to do it. So sclemens at gracecove.org. No. Um, ladies, gray? you yeah. can
2: email me, tfields at gracecove.org. Because, no. ladies, we hide sometimes behind. That's a men issue. And we stay locked in our shame. And shame will send you. And deeper into less. So hit me up.
0: That's great. Thank you guys.
1: For can that. I, can I say something about that? I think this is one of those, um, this is one of those parts of men's lives that, uh, we can get to a space where we think that we can manage it. Uh, it's one side and then we want to self preserve, yeah. right? So we just, we don't want people to really see the real us. And, and so, and on one side we go, well, I've been battling this thing for 15 years for some more than that, like constantly battling this and, and it it gets to a place where it's easy to go. This is just going to be a part of who I am for the rest of my life. And what I love about what we've been doing with, with this uh, sermon on the Mount is that Jesus gives us hope that we have a new King who wants to introduce us to a new kingdom where we can have new life in that kingdom and we can breathe new air in that kingdom. Yeah. And you might be struggling with this thing for the last 20 years of your life. Just, and and it's, it's consistent. You know, I mean, when you're hungry, when you're tired, when you're lonely, you know that thing strikes. I, I'm, I'm just like, th- 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 this is the, like, this is the consistency of it. And, and what, what the Bible really, what it leads us to is that you're either going to manage it or you're going to mortify it. This, this is what I mean, is that um, John Owens wrote, wrote this book called The Mortification of Sin. And, you know, we, w- the way that we have adjusted, the way that we talk about sin is so different. Now we go, well, I've been wrestling with something. Um, well, if you're wrestling with something for nine years, that's more than you're not wrestling yet. It's like pinning you, right? So so the Bible talks, it actually says that you can have a disposition where through the power of Jesus, you can wage war on that piece. Yeah. Like you can actually do that. So now the question is, what does it look like for us to look at lust and go, I'm going to kill this thing? Like like how would your mind and your heart and everything begin to shift a little if you go, From this point forward, this thing will not run rampant on me anymore. Jesus, I need you to to now lead my heart to a place of openness where I no longer want to just protect myself. I, I want you and your spirit to turn the tide to where I am willing to do whatever it takes to kill this thing that's been killing me. And been killing my, my attitude and been killing my mind and been killing my eyes. So I, I'm, I'm just telling like like, this is the hope that we have. We can look at something through a brand new lens because Jesus is now saying to us, through me, there's, there's
0: actual real hope. Yeah. That's great. There is a question we have here. Um, I think it will be pretty simple, pretty quick. Is it appropriate to go into spiritual battles for others?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think intercession is, absolutely, we should, um, we, we need to. That's why one of the reasons why we talk a lot about finding community, um, because it's in that space where you can war for others as well.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's called being, being a parent, right? Of, of like, this is what parents do. We fight battles uh, when our kids can't necessarily fight them right now. And we're, we're, we're joining them in the fray. Like, we're with them. We're helping them fight them. And, and, and we're, we're, we're taking on the weight of it and we're praying through it and we're fasting and we're helping them, we're, we're gi- giving them the, the legs that they need to begin to do it on
0: their own. Yeah, That's great, that's great. A question, our most uploaded question right now is directed, I guess, towards you all. How do you distinguish God's voice from your own voice? So speaking a lot about being in the middle of spiritual battles, when you're in the middle of one, How do you then find comfort or joy? How do you find strength in God's voice? And then from what you're just telling yourself.
2: Uh, So this is what I'll say. When you're in the battle is not the time to figure out if it's the voice of God or not. Um, When the rain is pouring down, it's not the time to build your house. And so I would say that to do the prep work through prayer, through worship, through time in the word, through small group study, that you can begin to hear the voice of God, that you can begin to know for a certainty what his voice sounds like so that you can know the difference in the battle between your voice and the voice of God. The problem with most of us, if you're like me, you get in the battle and then you start to pray more. You get in the battle and then you want to read your word more. Then you want to go to church more. And that's great because it draws us closer to God, but then the cycle continues when the battle leaves and you stop praying and you stop. And so I'd say to cultivate a lifestyle of worship, to cultivate a lifestyle of prayer, a lifestyle of being in the word that When you hear the Holy Spirit, you know for a certainty that it's his voice um, and not your own. And then the other thing that I would say is anything that's going to lead you away from biblical truth is your voice. Anything that's going to lead you to biblical truth is the voice of God. And you can, again, we're talking about community so much, but having a multitude of counselors around your life that can say, yeah, that's not the voice of God. That's you is really, really vital.
0: Yeah. Great. Great. Uh, question for you, Pastor Sean was, how do you battle with self-deception? What are the symptoms when you are battling with self-deception? And then once you recognize it,
3: how do you battle against it? Great question. So like, a uh, I think um, one of the identifiers is kind of like what Pastor Tiff was just talking about, like having a lifestyle of pursuing God, right? Um, I think when we fall into self-deception is those moments where, where I've backed off and what I'll naturally kind of drift into doing is saying, oh, God blessed me the last time here. We look at these moments as something of a verification that I'm still good with God and we just have these kind of, let me fall in a ditch kind of moments. Um, what what can happen though is like think of like Samson, like he God was with him. Um, But he kept flirting with the line. He kept crossing the line. He kept doing that. It wasn't about relationship. He didn't try to honor God with with the strength that he had. It was about himself. And then at some point, the relationship, God said, okay, I'm going to pull myself away from you. And he didn't recognize it. Deception, you will fall into it and you won't even really recognize it. So I think that what you may be able to identify along the way is this kind of inconsistency i'm not talking about perfection don't hear me say that um, because the enemy loves to kind of attack us in our identity and call you a hypocrite because you didn't follow the xyz type of um guidelines or formulas and things of that nature but you but being able to identify like when i've kind of backed away from the relationship um and then I think it's, it's clear that you got to be in your word on a consistent basis. It's in this relationship that you'll hear the Holy Spirit. You'll see kind of like a Paul talking about he don't even trust himself to judge himself. He's asking the Holy Spirit. We're, we're, we're like constantly kind of laying that before him. Once again, community. They'll show you, hey, you know, you're not in the word like you used to be or you, you didn't do that. Like hearing those things as those are identifiers running to God. Um, And kind of plunging deeper back in the relationship, I think, are ways of identifying and then the response when you've noticed it. That's great. That's great. Pastor
0: Tiff, one for you about identity, acknowledging the potential spiritual battle involved. How do you respond to someone who attempts to dehumanize you by attaching your sin to your character? How would you respond with somebody? Maybe you distinguish it. But when somebody keeps attaching your sin, what you've done with who you are
2: that's so good that's such a good question and it's so meaty and it's so real um ooh I'm tempted to pass this to you because you we do, we we talked about this in pre service and you i'm just uh, can you tell them what you said in pre when we were talking before the service yeah I,
1: well i i think um this whole topic of identity, this is the topic of our, like, of, of our century. It really is. Uh, of the way that I create my identity is I go inward to find out who I am, what I want. And then I look around and gather people around me that can supply encouragement and support to what I have discovered. And then I look up and ask for God to sprinkle his blessing on what I have created. It's, it's in, it's I around. I told you guys it was
2: good. <laughs>
1: and, and, it, and it's up. And, and, then, and then we live this life that if you say anything about what I have formed, I am now cutting you off. And I am acknowledging you as judgmental. And, and, and I am separating myself from everyone who is, has any type of disagreement with the way that I have, have I've just this monster I've created called my identity. And in Jesus, what we have in Jesus, we have one that looks at us. Like, this is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. It's, it is established on the identity that now the Son is received from the Father. And it, as we find our identity in the Son, what has been given to the Son is given to us. What is that identity? It is, this is my Son, whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. It's, it's acceptance, it's affirmation, and it, it is the fact that we are the Beloved. And nothing can shake that. And nothing, even though I make decisions from my past, because now identity is now found in Jesus, and that identity is forming, it is transforming and is reforming. Good. I mean, it is, it is constantly at work to now make you a new creation, give you the power to go from the old into the new, and then become like the one who's forming you. Where now we begin to look like Jesus and talk like Jesus and act like Jesus. So if someone is telling you that your identity is wrapped up in the, the decisions that you made in the past, that is counter, that's counterintuitive That is completely opposite of everything that we see in the biblical narrative of what the gospel does in the human heart. But the, the greatest spiritual battle that all of us have, no matter how old or young you are in the Lord, is the battle for your identity. And 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 will you find your identity on an ongoing basis in the person and in the work and the power and the beauty and the and, and the and the transformative uh, reality of Jesus Christ, or will you now continue to go in, around, and up?
2: Yeah. And that's uh, it's it's so good that it's so. I, I want you guys to hear this. If somebody is challenging who you are based on your sin patterns of the past, there is no argument. That's who I was, but this is who Jesus has made me. There is no argument here. You know what? That's who I was, but this is what Jesus has made me. It's, it's pointing back to I, my, I'm secure in my identity. Whatever you say doesn't change who I know that I am in Jesus, because what I was is not who I am.
3: That's great. I'm sorry. Um, I just want to add one more thing. Um, I, I, this is the essence of the spiritual battle, right? Like that, that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. So whether it's coming from a person or not, this is how the enemy attacks you. You get, yeah. You, like you, you might have done something here. An inward voice tells you that you're not what you say that you are. You're not a child of Christ. That is the accuser of the brethren. And so, this really, really filling yourself up, intentionally spending time on what does it mean to have my identity in Christ, having being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like it, it's not something just passively you capture because you heard a great sermon by Pastor Tiff. That should drive you to Scripture and to stay in that space until it becomes a reality for you because if you don't you don't have the equipment to fight the spiritual battle because you may get past that one person but the enemy constantly that's how he attacked peter right that i think that's why judas ended up hanging himself because of the way the enemy was able to uh, attack him Great, great.
0: We have just a, pretty, a few more minutes, but there are a few questions that have a lot of upvotes. So I'm going to give you guys these questions, but you have to promise me that are going to be real short if I give them to you. Great. Perfect. The most upvoted one right now is I'm struggling with forgiveness. I'm cordial with them, but it weighs heavily on me in private. What's the best
3: way to handle this spiritually? Prayer. Acts, acts, I mean, it's in the Lord's Prayer. You know, forgive me as I forgive those. And then Jesus, he kind of gives commentary that, man, you got to do this to receive it from God. So I got to ask God over and over and over until he's helped me to really get past.
1: It. And re- recognize what's been done. You you, you you need to recognize this really did happen. This really did cut. This really did. this 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 took me to places in my soul I've never been. Recognize. But then at the same time, at the recognition space, it has to be now a, a handing off of God. I, I'm literally, I am giving this, I'm handing this off to the only one who has authority to now judge and then give, extend a courage for me to forgive because I, I have been forgiven.
0: Great. And then you confessed it here. Find somebody in your community to confess it to. Ask for healing, you'll receive healing, prayer. Realizing the gospel and how much he's forgiven us, go a long way. Next question. What can a person do practically at, ho- uh, at home, work, or in relationships when feeling under attack from each one of these battles? So practically, I'm attack under anger, anxiety, and, and self-deception. What do I do?
2: Practically, you do what the scripture says in, um, let's see here. I'm going to Philippians four, six through eight. Do not be anxious about anything. That's the first thing. But in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, you pray, you petition God, and then you thank him. And then you present your request to the Lord and the peace of God, which transcends your understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Practically, what do you do when you're battling something? You stop and you pray. You say, Lord, this thing is is a battle right here. God, would you please come and meet me? I petition you to show up. I thank you that you're God. What you're doing is changing your perspective. You're taking it off of the thing, and you're putting it on Jesus. And then you say, Lord, I'm really struggling with this, and I know you see it. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for guarding my heart and my mind. And you repeat. Wash, rinse, and repeat. You do that over and over and over again until the thing goes away, until it lifts. And it has to. The Bible says that if we resist the devil, we resist temptation, we resist fear, we resist him, that he has to flee from us. Because we're sons and daughters of the Most High.
0: That's great. That's great. Um, Why does it feel like fighting spiritual battles doesn't get easier?
1: Because you've graduated. (laughs) It
2: does get easier. Because when you graduate one grade, you have to go to the next, and the next grade is harder than the previous grade. So the thing that you're fighting right now is preparation for the thing that you're going to have to fight again. And I don't know about you, but for me, they don't get easier. You just get stronger. The battles don't get easier. You get stronger.
0: Great. How do you find joy in the midst of a battle um, in an effort to remain in alignment with James 1, 24? James 1, uh, verses 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds because you know it's going to produce steadfast yeah, faith. Yeah, it's with the brothers. It's, it's with people. that that
1: the The whole point of the Sermon on on the Mount is that this is a community sport. We can't face these spiritual battles alone, in isolation, independent from the very people that God has now has now res- rescued us. We've been rescued out of darkness, out of a kingdom of darkness that is has overcome every aspect of, of our life. And that was put us into community with people that their per, the purpose of their, of their, their life is to speak life and, and perspective and hope in the midst of the battles that you're facing.
0: That's great. Pastor Sean, this is kind of a yes or no, but, uh, hopefully it's simple. Is it possible to lust after your husband or wife? If so, is that a bad thing? Uh, yes
2: and yes. I'll answer it for you. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And yes. Yeah. Email and S. Clemens if you're a man and T. Fields if you're a woman.
0: <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, and then we'll do
3: one more uh, question. I lost it. Well, while you're looking for one, I, I did want to just say, yes, you can lust. It can be a bad thing if you've objectified your spouse um, in such a way that you kind of dehumanize them. You're, they're just an object of your pleasure. Um, that is not what God intended for our holy unions. Mm. Great. Great. Um, you know what? We'll
0: stop on that. That was great. Thank you. What I would love for us to do is you guys have two minutes to share. (laughs) What if, if anything you could say to everybody in this room about spiritual battles, what you really believe God's heart is for everybody in this room, concerning maybe one spiritual battle, maybe them entirely, two minutes, what would you want people to leave this room knowing, believing, walking out, understanding about spiritual battles? We'll start with uh, Pastor Corey. Well, I, I I just was
1: going to read a quote. This is one, one of my faves from St. Augustine. From um, He was i think in the 5 hundreds ish this is what he says there can only be two basic loves the love of god unto the forgiveness of self or the love of self unto the forgiveness and denial of god um we have been given an identity from jesus himself that exists to reorient our love back to himself and the presence of god and the people of god is where that happens and this As much as it, as easy as it would be to look at certain battles and, and magnify them. The purpose of, of the sermon on the Mount is to magnify how good of a, of a savior we have and how he has immersed himself into every battle we face, that we're not alone in it, that he's bigger than the battle that we're facing and that now what we what we have we have the gift of reorientation of our heart of our identity of 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 even the size of the battle that we're in as we enter into the presence of Jesus and the people of God and those two things working together and even when you do fail and we and you will and these battles are messy and and guess what we have we have people that we can go to and And, and bring that stuff into the light and go, you know what? I failed. And guess what they'll, they'll do. They'll remind you, blessed are the poor in spirit for they will inherit the kingdom. And guess what? They'll also say, you are the beloved son. This is my son whom I love with you. I'm well pleased not because of what you've done, but because of the identity that Jesus himself died to give you. These are the things that we have. So good. Yeah, Pastor Tiffany.
2: I would say, um, yes, give it up for that. That was good. Pastor Corey for me. If there's one thing that I want you to leave here knowing is that as a son, as a daughter, you are an heir to the kingdom of God. And therefore you possess the authority of Jesus himself. Um, spiritual battles don't have to handle you. You can take up your authority and allow God to handle them. Um, and the other thing that I want you to leave here knowing is that shame will keep you battling. Shame will keep you bound. Shame will keep you in sin patterns. Shame is a horrible thing to live under. Um, and if all of us up here have struggled with living under some kind of shame for some kind of recurring thing that we just can't seem to get it's like some kind of cycle that we can't seem to get out of. And I want to encourage you that you are not alone. You're not the only person that's battling the thing you're battling. You're not the only person that's fighting the thing you're fighting. You're not the only person that maybe has been overtaken by the thing that has overtaken you. And there are others of us who want to help you come out from underneath shame and experience true freedom. Don't allow shame to keep you bound. You're a free It is for freedom. The Bible says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free.
3: Amen. Amen. (laughs) I don't know what to say after that. Um, So um, Pastor Corey had mentioned a book earlier, The Mortification of Sin by John Owen. I love a quote from him. It says, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Um, I think after a series like this, um, it is important that you recognize that there really is a battle. Um, and one of the things that I tried to communicate before is that often it is internal. It is like the way that the enemy comes at you. It's like in your own voice. It is a, it, it is a lot slier, It's more a drifting. It's not always like a hard thing that happens. And some of the descriptions we had are like kind of these more burning fire moments. But there was something that lit it on fire probably months before earlier so having strategy being community and like really taking it serious um of pursuing god in relationship because as difficult and hard as the battle is jesus came to give us life in it more abundantly it really is a better life yeah. that god has made available to us our flesh would say oh it don't take all of that you don't need all of that But the reality is it's, um, what's the other, um, it, it, it's like, um, I use the analogy of, it's like my children rather having McDonald's than five guys burger, right? Like we, we don't want to stay with the five guys, um, with the, with the McDonald's. We want to go to five guys. Jesus is offering us something far more impressive than five guys. The enemy is offering us something less than McDonald's. So, um, I, I hope that Elevation Burger, yes. organic, elevation. grass-fed. But you get the point that oh, I'm trying Mort- to make. We get the point. We also get Mort- that you're hungry. Mort- yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not hungry, man. I'm just <laughs> saying you guys can relate to what I'm saying, that there's a quality difference between the two. Yes, there and is. And there's a quality difference <laughs> quality. between what the enemy offers and what sin um, over, um it over promises but under delivers on a consistent basis. So, this battle, it's worth it basically. Because a part of you right now, a part of the battle is the enemy telling you, it don't take all of that. It's not that necessary. But it is better to go through sanctification, to be a disciple, than it is to not be. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Sean.
0: I'm encouraged that 1 John 3.20 says that even when our heart condemns us, know that God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. That God is greater than your heart, condemnation can leak in and it has no place in the Christian life. God is greater than your heart. There is, ne- there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Can we go out for our panelists one more time, everybody? Thank you guys so much. Great. As we close service, we want to encourage you guys. If there is any prayer that you want to receive after service, you can come down front and receive prayer from our prayer team. If there is anything that we didn't get to your question, I want to encourage you. We're serious when we say, Would you please email Pastor Sean? Would you email Pastor Tiffany? Would you, any one of us on stage? Or would you email info at gracecove.org to set up uh, um, an appointment with one of the pastors here on staff? We don't want you to battle this life alone. This is a battle, it's constant. We're in a war in case you didn't know, but the war has been won. We have victory in Jesus. We are more than conquerors in him. This is hopefully a night where faith has risen up inside of you. And if faith, uh, if you allow it to in this moment, will be like a beach ball that you try and submerge underwater, being around believers, being encouraged by the scriptures, having hope being given to you. And no matter what you do, if you would allow it to, faith will rise up in your heart and it will give you the courage to fight the battles that God has already given you the victory over. We love you guys so much. I'm going to pray for us before we head out. Lord, we're asking that you would align our minds, our hearts, our spirits with yours. God, we would no longer fall under the category of shame, of anxiety, of lust. God, we would not define ourselves how you don't define us, but we would set our minds on things above. God, you have given us the victory in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, you meant it when you said it was finished. The battle, God, we're fighting today. We're fighting from victory because we know that these things, God, they will be formed like what Pastor J.C. mentioned, but they will not prosper. God, we realize that there are things attacking us day by day. But if not in this life, Lord, we know that there is a hope coming and there is a day that is soon will be that we will all be like you. We will see you and there will be no tear in any eye. God, you will realize fully the victory that you promised and that you fulfilled on Golgotha. God, we trust you for it. We're believing you for it. God, would community start to gather around? Would faith be built up in this moment? God, would the church shine brightest in its battle saying, God, we know that you've given us a victory. We're going to choose to walk in it practically. Would you give wisdom? Would you give strength and courage to everybody in this room and everybody watching? We love you, Lord, for it. in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.